1: Welcome, everybody. This is Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey, and it's the Blitz time. I'm here with Jay Johnson because Brian had some serious technical issues over the weekend, so we're playing catch-up a little bit. Jay, how you doing today?
0: Hanging in there, John. You know, it's always tough after a loss, but unsurprising. But the Jaguars completely dominated the Chargers, so there's that.
1: Oh, okay, well, you know, <laughs> the Browns beat the Steelers, so I am was bummed out. And so is Pittsburgh dad. So
0: his last video was awesome. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if you need to pick funny. me up, go uh, check out Pittsburgh dad on YouTube.
1: Yeah. If you're going to have a realistic view of your own favorite team, right? Which we sort of have to kind of look at right now as now we're what? Blacksburg dad and yeah. brother-in-law. I don't know because yeah. <laughs> because it's not fun, is it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we
0: probably could come up with something like that and just do, do like five minute videos of ranting.
1: I don't know, but I was ranting on the sideline, and I was ranting to Antonio Freeman, of all people. And he was ranting right back because he was like, what did he do that for? Why did he miss that open guy? There was an open pass. You can't run up the middle. Don't run up <laughs> the middle. So, Antonio, if you ever out there and you ever run into us seeing us and hearing us, hello, I'm the short little old with gray hair that we were laughing back and forth while I was taking pictures. We're trying to get this done in 15 minutes because it's the post-game blitz, but it's kind of more of a lightning blitz because we're trying to get this to Catherine to get edited and up as soon as possible. I wrote up my post-game review. Normally I do the good, bad, and ugly when I don't take pictures, but this one really merited it this time. I'm still editing pictures and it's kind of hard because I see the clays unfolding you know, a shot at a time and it's like my eyes are watering. How are you doing? (laughs)
0: I'm disappointed, like I said, but this wasn't surprising to me. I I expected this to be a loss before, you know, two months ago when I was writing the previews, I expected that West Virginia was going to be too much for Virginia Tech to handle. So I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't a horrible surprise. Well, I tell you what was was the surprise. I thought we would do a little bit better. I didn't think we're necessarily going to win the game. I mean, I was hoping, but... I thought that the offense was going to get up off the floor a little bit. I had my fingers crossed that the defense wasn't going to do the complete fade in the fourth quarter. And boy, number one, the offense just never got off the ground, did it?
0: No, and I think that if it wasn't clear already, people are going to have to understand that this is the biggest rebuild the program's experienced since Frank Beamer first took over we've said it plenty of times before the cupboards were bare the player development was non-existent so what we have are a collection of players that stuck around and haven't been developed over the last probably 2 to 3 years consistently and as a result see things like this right so i was i saw some bright spots there were things that made me happy that we can get into a little bit later but i think the big thing oki nation to understand is that Brent Pry not only has the charge of developing a team, he has to establish a culture of winning at Virginia Tech again because it's just simply left the building. I think that's why we saw things like the lunch pail defense coming back because the team lost its identity over the last three years. And in addition to trying to coach up performance out of these young men who are just now meeting this head coach, like let's not forget, it's week four at the very beginning of a big rebuild, right? He has to establish trust and rapport with his players and his coaching staff. And on top of that, He's got to establish a winning mindset and a culture of excellence in Virginia Tech, again, in both the staff and the players. And that's not something that can happen in one month.
1: No, it doesn't. You are exactly 100 percent correct. It's something that today in my review, you know, you went through the grid. In my review, you noticed I was pretty explicit about the fact that we need to evaluate our risks and what our odds of winning and losing are based not just on what the opponent is, but based on the fact that we're going to have to reevaluate us down. We are less of a risk to our opponents than we thought we could be at the beginning of the season. So. Bry not only has his work cut out for him with the team, though, he's got his work cut out for him with his coaching staff. All these guys are his friends from various jobs that he's kind of collected over the years. But, you know, I was making this observation, and it's a, a really important one in the grander scheme of things. If you don't do the small things well... If you don't snap out of the locker room, down the tunnel, onto the field, do your warm-up in a nice, sharp manner with everything organized and get everything going and get the guys pumped up, maybe do some, you know, some line exercises together to, you know, some whistle pulses or it's like haphazard, scatter, disorganized, this group over here, this group over there, nobody's really doing anything. You'll see Joe Rudolph with J.C. Price every once in a while facing off, but you don't see a nice, tight, organized pattern. Okay, for those people that I don't care whether you like Jordan Peterson or not, one of the best things he ever wrote in his books, in his psychology books, was if you're trying to straighten your life around, the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is make your bed. And the point of that is... I think he stole that from Admiral McRaven. Yeah, I think, I, I'm pretty sure he probably 100% did.
0: percent <laughs> Admiral McRaven is the one who said that.
1: I would not doubt it, because, and also having been in the Corps of Cadets and grown up in the Army, that was the rule. You know, you did the small things. I mean, that was what I was taught. You did the small things correctly. You got up and took care of all the small things, and what happened was it got you in that habit. And this team is no longer in that habit. There's no discipline there. There's no cohesiveness. When things get tough, instead of getting together and going, okay, everybody cool out, let's get smart about this, refocus and re-go at it again the right way, they're losing it. And we're seeing examples of that with the the zebra pea all over the field, right?
0: And I, I think this goes back to what I was saying about establishing a culture, right? They're not disciplined right now, and they're young. Like these are some, a lot of our players are very young and a lot of our players swinging above their talent level. I've said it before. You've said it before. We have group of five talent having to deal with power five competition. Mm -hmm. And some of the positives that I saw where we do see that power five talent show itself. I think one of the biggest places we saw it was in the receiving core. They were getting open. They were getting behind the defensive backs. We regularly saw Lofton and Blue and Moss and the running backs getting open unfortunately, Wells just couldn't deliver the ball. There was two wide open touchdowns deep down the field that if you're playing at a power five level, that's 14 points. And we walked away with zero. And that's just stuff that we're going to have to contend with right now while this team is growing. I mean, we've got Wells for now, but he's not going to be the starter forever. And I think when people are asking questions about why is he playing, you know, why don't we bench him? I think there's a couple things to think about. It was 16-10 to 10 at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and I think that the coaches are going to play the player they think gives them the best chance to win, and they think that that was Grant Wells. And honestly, though, that wasn't the capability of Wells entering the fourth quarter. But the other side of it, too, is establishing trust, right? Does Brent Pye want to be the coach that's known for just benching his player because he's having a hard time? I don't think that's something he's going to want to do It's just be like, I had a bad game. Even though he's shown improvement over the last two games, and wasn't horrific in this game, right? He he missed some not just those big potential touchdowns. He wasn't demonstrating touch. He missed a lot of easy passes, but well there's some reads what are we that he was missing.
1: Him? Yeah. Well there were some reads that critical reads that he was missing. There were a couple of third and longs where he could have gotten the first down where he threw the ball too deep to a receiver that might have been slightly open. But he was really covered. So he's trying for the home run ball versus going for the first down and moving the sticks. And, and, and I that's don't what know we talked
0: about last week. Yeah. We said, man, if he starts gunslinging, we could get in trouble.
1: Yep. And we were lucky that he didn't get picked off on a couple of those overthrows. Oh, yeah. So... Somebody has to tamp that back down. That's a Glenn issue. That's a coach Glenn issue and he's going to have to get that under control. He's got to get Grant Wells reading from the line of scrimmage downfield, not downfield to the line of scrimmage. He's got yeah. he's reading in reverse and it's not working out very well. He's got to go back to his up progression where he's reading the nearest good receiver and then going to the next good receiver a little bit farther down the field. And that goes to bending those routes up toward the goal line, not back toward the line of scrimmage. Because if you're bending those routes up, then you have a greater possibility of, hey, I saw this before. I saw this in the game yesterday. I was watching, you know, on Saturday, I was watching the Saturday, some of the Saturday football games. There were so many times when the receiver needed to get past the sticks, a yard or two past the sticks, where the receiver was not getting past the sticks. He was not running his route past the sticks. So this isn't just our receivers. This is everybody's receivers. I mean, I watched the UVA Syracuse game, and I had to, wow. You know, I don't care if Syracuse has got so many wins, you know, four wins under their belt. They stink, and guess what? UVA stinks too. There's just a lot of stink in the league right now, other than at the very, very top. And most of the peloton is kind of, sort of struggling in the first third of this season. That is not really necessarily indicative of how the season's going to end up. I don't.
0: Yeah, it has been kind of a weird season. I don't want to get too sidetracked with no, all the other it, teams,
1: but outside
0: of the top five everybody seems susceptible to about that before we started recording how the Sun Belt has been getting paid to beat ranked power (laughs) for the first three weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, they're grabbing a lot of money off of the quote unquote power five. You know how I feel about the joke of the power five when most teams in the power five are group of five teams, including us. To focus back down on like
0: some other positives that I think came out of it, even though the defense had a lot of miscues, right? You can't have nine penalty guys first downs which we did keeping drives alive they were very good at even though they were having a hard time with those penalties holding them to four field goals instead of four touchdowns wasn't just give up when things went bad so I thought that was a positive
1: yeah that was a positive I'm not as miffed at the defense although I'm I'm concerned that the defensive line still can't get there, and this time they were having problems shutting down the run. Now, it, 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 nothing got out of control. Nothing got gashed. Nobody went carting down the field for an 85-yard or a 65-yard touchdown. But they just weren't consistently getting the run stops that they needed to. But don't break was what we expected, right? When we previewed this, the defense could pull that off, and the offense could actually do something, score some points. We had a shot at this game. Well, the defense pulled it off, at least for three and a half quarters, and then it melted down because the offense was three and out, three and out, three and out, or four and out. They weren't scoring anything. So Yeah,
0: and their, their rushing attack, like there wasn't anything flashy, but, man, it just chugged along five yards, six yeah. yards. And they yards.
1: went on the edges, too. They did not run out the, up the middle that much. Which, of course, puts us at a disadvantage because our defensive line is not a speed defensive line. Our defensive line is a plug-the-hole defensive line. And we, A, don't get natural pressure on the quarterback, which is not a good thing for for JT Daniels, who could seem to be able to hit passes laid out flat on his back as the defense finally got there. He was throwing balls that nobody figured out how he got down the field
0: especially the first three quarters, he did not look anywhere near as sharp as he had in the previous three games that he had played. And like, he looked very dangerous against Kansas. So whatever the Hokies were doing to get pressure on him was very successful in those first three quarters. But when they have almost 40 minutes of time of possession, like the defense is going to get gassed. I mean, the nine penalties for first down certainly contributed, but...
1: I got to admit, some of them are, you know, were fake penalties. They were just, they got thrown because I think what happened was... I noticed something with the referees from the sideline. They were getting really annoyed with Virginia Tech. They were getting very short-tempered, and they were getting a lot of yak back from the players on the field. And you know what happens when you start sassing the referees. They get ticked.
0: That goes back to the defense that we were talking about yeah discipline that we talked about and the other side of it too you saw the frustration come out man that targeting penalty at the very end of the game was dead on valid that was targeting. Yeah, I
1: I had walked off the field at that point because I, I had to my knees were gone and I was barely able to walk and I still had to get up a chicken hill but on that walkout I heard about the targeting and then I looked at it when I came home and it was like yeah that was not a close call that was valid targeting call and that's sad yeah maybe we'll take that as a warning that we need to get out of this one i mean because you and i could talk about this game for a while and like i said catherine's got to get it up and get it edited and get it up online so let's call it a blitz you know we had a feeling we were going to lose you you were positive and both brian and i were just hopeful but also pretty sure that we weren't going to walk away with this one so We'll see what happens coming up in the North Carolina game. We're going to talk about that in the next podcast. So, everybody, Jay, what do you got to say? Go Hokies. Go Hokies.